afternoon, uh, slightly different format this afternoon for our <coughs> seminar. We have uh, uh, Irena Costera Maya. Have I got that right? I, mean, I never know pronunciation. Is that, will that pass? Perfect. Thank you. Uh, who is a visiting fellow at the Reuters Institute at the moment, so familiar to, uh, to all of the uh, fellows in the Reuters Institute uh, crowd here. Uh, she's got a fairly full presentation about uh, audiences and users and what journalists need to think about. And so it's going to encourage a little bit of discussion as we go along rather than have the kind of two halves uh, that we normally have. So that's great for me because I can just sit back and let her get on with it, which is going to be, a, uh, I know, a fascinating uh, hour or so well, you discussion. Don't know. Yeah. I do. <laughs> I have Irene. Okay, thank you very much for inviting me over. I have a great time uh, and I'm spending it, uh, every minute of it in, in pure delight, I may say. <laughs> I also got, uh, Andrew got me into uh, nipping half a glass of wine, so if I'm already more over the top than usual, then you know where it comes from. Um, but in particular, I want to thank the organisers for making me discuss my research with you, um, because journalists often think that questions of audiences are uh, best left to editors or to the, the communication department or to the department of marketing but somewhere else than they themselves. And I think they're wrong. Um, as Richard already said, my talk will not be a very formal presentation. Um, these are also the, 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 the only statistics you will get, so take care to make a photograph of it if you want to know the, 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 the most recent figures about social news work, etc. In particular... I want to point out the Reuters Institute for <laughs> Journalism. It's Digital News Report 2015. Great figures, great things, so please uh, take notes of them. Um, and then I want to very much invite all of you to be very expressive. So comment, recomment, like, dislike, share whatever social media uh, uh, custom you are uh, uh, into. And um, what I want to, um, why I would ask you that is, is, and I particularly think that the people out of England will, more, will be more used to it, because what, one thing I learned during this month is that um, being earnest, and I ask you to be earnest, is one of the most terrible things English people can commit outside of wedlock. <laughs> <laughs> so please give them a good example, all the people who were not born and bred in Ireland, and uh, be just as straightforward as I'm used to be. So I have to warn you a little bit, I am a bit of direct, so if you, uh, I'm sorry, um, that's who I am, I'm not English, so you probably won't. I'm Dutch, yes, thank you very much. Just <laughs> uh, yes, so you know. Okay, I want to start with a um, one statement, and the statement is: as soon as you give people what they want instead of what they need, the quality of journalism decreases. Okay, fingers up, folks. We start with voting. Who more or less agrees with it? Come on. This is about democracy we talk. <laughs> okay, all the, all the people who didn't show their hands. Why, yes. Why don't you agree? One is, I don't know what you mean by quality of journalism. Uh, two. But it's academic. Come <laughs> on, you know what quality of journalism is. Well, um, and... I also find it very difficult to differentiate between what people would want and what people would need. It's, I think, uh, for me as, uh, as a practitioner, I would be taking on a very arrogant mantle of saying, oh, this is what they need and that's what they want. So I wouldn't want to... Um, so I, I, and that's why I didn't really raise my hand. You're a bit of a, you're hesitant. So no, I'm not, I'm not hesitant. But uh, I, I may not so agree with this. <coughs> Um, who did agree? Okay. Uh, that uh, specific sentence reminds me of one thing that happened uh, earlier in, in a 
20 years ago in Brazil. Uh, uh, so it's already a long time ago you thought about a quality. A long time ago, yeah. A wow. uh, very famous uh, Brazilian band, rock band, died on a plane crash and there was a huge discussion if the newspaper I was working at the moment and other newspapers should publish the photographs of the bodies after the crash and the photographs were disgusting and there was a huge debate inside the, the newspaper, the newsroom, the editors with the editor-in-chief and they decided to publish the photographs because there was so much curiosity about it. There were some emails already with the photographs circulating so people knew quite uh, new about these photographs, so one of the arguments to publish the photographs was, uh, oh, people, but these photos are already on the internet, uh, and they published it, and it was, in the end, it was the wrong decision. People uh, admitted that it was, it was the wrong decision. Sometimes the public wants to see it, this kind of thing, some more... But they, want, they don't want to see it in the newspaper. <laughs> yes. Okay, these are the kind of paradoxes uh, I will... Um, Go, uh, I will discuss with you. And unfortunately, this is somewhat of a truism in journalism studies and also among journalists. All the people who didn't show their hands in the first place and didn't agree with or agreed didn't agree with it. Um, you are a very tiny minority because almost all journalists, in, at least in Western Europe, would agree. With you. So, what like uh, who will decide what people want and what they need? That's what I'm saying. Thank you. Very good question. I will answer it during the rest of the presentation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what I hear. Yes, really. You know, I was reading a very fast. Uh, I was reading a fascinating article by Anthony Lisinski, who runs the Hidden Yeah. He said journalism is an escape and journalists are escape artists. So if you were to look at that, then if you were to take that seriously, then I think journalism itself gives people. Uh, uh, you know, a route to escape, so which becomes very difficult to make it what uh, become uh, sort of define what is need and what. That's, uh, maybe at some point <coughs> in time, the page three is what people need. Yes. At some okay. I will. I will. I will give you some quotations. Let's let's do that. Um, these are academic quotations. One says. Paying attention to audiences often leads journalists and scholars to worry about the future state of journalism and the implications for society. The Goyen wants for, I quote once again, the dumbing down of news and, I quote again, a disaster for public life in the long term. The Dutch News Monitor mentions as a consequence of more attention to audience, I quote, a narrowing of the world view of citizens. And Tandok and Thomas argue that the use of web metrics, clicks, has, I quote, the potential to lock journalism into a race towards the lowest common denominator, ghettoizing citizens into bundles based on narrow preferences and predilections rather than drawing them into a community. So, this is what people say and write, academics. And you're right, we don't know what they need and what they want, and that's what I'm going to talk to you about. So, this is a part of my background. Um, as you can see, I lived almost all my life in Amsterdam. I studied at the University of Amsterdam, and I started out with women's studies, and then I graduated in the social sciences in, with uh, philosophy. Then I got a job in communication science, and I moved on to media studies, and I did popular culture in between. And since 2007, I work at the Free University of Amsterdam, where they offered me uh, a sort of island I could do whatever I wanted to do. So that was offered offer I couldn't refuse. I'm doing um, audience research since 1997, and I did these kind of projects. So I started out with a, a project for journalists um, about popularization or democratization, so giving people more to say about the content of journalism. Will that count as popularization of is giving the audience more influence? Does it count as democratization? Um, then I started the project about the public quality, not only of journalism, but also of popular journalism. Then I've been doing research into changing news user practices since 2004. Then I did a project um, for a, um, a very niche quality broadcaster in the Netherlands who wanted to have more audiences. And they thought they had to lower 
their, um, their quality uh, um, benchmark, and I explained to them that they um, that what they wanted to what they gave was quality taste, and what they had to deliver was something that tastes really good. So, but um, taste <coughs> quality. And then I did something about the, um, uh, a big research project about, uh, about how to value local and regional journalism from an audience point of view. And we just finished a project about participatory journalism. Um, then there's the changing news use. Um, we recently started in connection to public connection and storytelling. And one also recent project about with um, one of the ministries in the Netherlands about voice and listening. And the latest project is about journalism happening outside of news institutions, so journalism happening elsewhere. So how can we put that into theorizing about journalism? So people are doing um, the, the drawings, people are doing the, the marketing, but also people are doing uh, are, are running the website, etc. So all these people are not official <coughs> journalists, but are very influential into journalists. How can we take them into account. Can I ask something? Yeah. You use projects instead of research, in, uh, research interests. Do you mean that they are funded by an organization or something, these things? They, these are all funded, co-funded by news organizations. So that's how I earn my money. So that's what they, that I do research and they are also co-funded, also always co-funded, but not only funded by news organizations. So you keep your distance to what's the one who's asking you to do something. Yeah, good question. Thank you. Um, these were your questions. Um, I was uh, uh, extremely glad that when I asked you, when I emailed you three weeks ago and asked you to whether you had questions about audiences, that you uh, answered. And uh, these are they. Um, I sort of summarized them into nine issues, and I will uh, work through them. The first is how can I reach new audiences through social media? How often do people share stories and where? Email, link, Facebook, Twitter. Why do some readers decide to purchase digital subscriptions and what might affect that decision? How can we provide the public with all the stuff they didn't know they wanted in a world where they compose their own menu? How can we please a new public without annoying the old one? How can we involve audiences in doing journalism or other forms of citizen participation? Then seven, if the ad-based model no longer works, how do we drive engagement and willingness to pay for it? How do we distinguish the people who are especially important for us and cater for them? How justifiable is it in terms of reach, rating, shares, simulation figures, etc., to cater for audiences with simplistic programming involving sex, violence, fear, stereotypes, etc.? Not out of choice, but out of fear of missing out. And what are the consequences? These were your questions. Um, since our, and not only our research suggests that as soon as you give people what they really want, instead of what you assume as a journalist or as an editor or, or as a marketeer, what they want or need, the quality of journalism increases. So that's the thing I wanted to discuss with you today. There is a flip side to it, because what counts as quality, and that refers to your question, Frenick, what counts as quality among audiences and users, what they actually experience as quality, or what counts as a lean-forward experience, rather than a lean-backward, a little bit low experience, might, lead, might be slightly different from what you as journalists assume is important and relevant. So what people value is not only about particular content, or tone of voice, but also depends on the time of the day, the day of the week, um, the media, and the platforms they use. So they expect different things from the BBC than from the Guardian. They expect also different things from, from a financial time. So people have expectations also from the, uh, the, broad, the, the, the broadsheets, and, they, and if their expectations are met, generally they trust that kind of uh, newspaper or uh, broadcast. Not because they give true information, but they, but they are using certain conventions. So you can trust that they deliver what you expect from them. Um, so what I want to discuss with you is um, 
that um, what our research suggests is, and we have some figures to show for it, I won't show them, but I will tell them, is that what new, when, as soon as news organizations offer people more valuable journalism, their circulation figures, their ratings and shares remain stable or even increase. So that's a very positive statement. The Volkskrant and Trouw, that are two, two uh, news organizations, two newspapers that are part of our consortium, have been doing what we are um, advising them to do, and they increase their circulation figures. NOS, that's the Dutch broadcaster, uh, the public broadcaster also did the same thing, and the quality broadcaster also um, did what we uh, uh, advised them to do, and they, they also increased their, the, the, the number of uh, people they um, that watched. Um, but there's one condition. If you want to have more users, more viewers, more readers, more listeners, um, if you want to, then you have to give them um, something that is valuable for them. But then you have to really take an interest in them first. So, but when you take an interest in your audience, um, there is one flip side, and you might end up actually loving them, or at least liking them. And um, if you do, you also want to give them something they really appreciate. And if you love your audience, your audience will probably end up loving you back. And that's, of course, a wonderful condition for loyalty. But, of course, you, they, you can love your audience too much, and that's what I'm going to talk about later on. Right. Um, but in order to, be, uh, to understand what your audience really wants, I've reformulated your questions, and then I reformulated from a user perspective. I still hope you can somehow see where the question came from, but um, they are phrased in a different way. So first, in what new ways can I be meaningful, can I be meaningful for people via social media? Two, what does it mean for people to share stories, to link them, and when do they share or not share them? Why do some readers decide to purchase digital subscriptions and what might affect that decision? That one remains the same. What does the audience experience as valuable journalism and how can we provide that? How can we facilitate different news user practices? When do people want to engage with journalists and journalism? What kind of engagement do they look for? How can we support citizens in making valuable journalism? And when do citizens turn away from engaging with journalists and news organizations? And seven, what does the audience experience as valuable journalism, and when do they want to pay for it? How can we, as journalists, show our care without losing our critical edge? And do people really appreciate simplistic programming involving sex, violence, fear, stereotypes, allowed people? And when do they value being updated continuously? Yes, they really appreciate it, but not always. First of all, uh, this is the scientific part of the story. Um, yes. Yeah. Something at this point. I mean, do you carry out this research in a specific country, a region? I mean, journalism in Western Europe is different. China, yes. Russia, Turkey, you know, Middle East, different. Can I think it's a very good question to ask. This is Western Europe. Yeah. I apologize. This is a very westernized yeah. uh, version of what counts as valuable. Yes. So you, you need a lot of translation to do in order to make it to make the same story valuable for other parts of the of the world. Yes, it it is doable, but it it demands <coughs> some 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 rephrasing. Yeah. But nevertheless, I also think that 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 people in essence are not that different from each other. So there is also a truism in this that counts for other countries. But. Doing it is, I think, the, the most difficult thing there. But it's a good question. I think we, we may come up, uh, we, we can talk about it later on. This is the paradigm shift. And I think this is, is very Western European because it's, it's go, coming from, sorry, I'm very much uh, into your view. Um, for a long time, um, journalism scholars and journalists alike thought in terms of audiences. And um, 
what, what audiences are not audiences anymore. When social media began to take off, when, when digital media started to take off, audiences transformed themselves into users, into members, into followers, into other categories. And that has consequences. So audiences are... Um, and this is not a semantic thing. So if you talk about audiences, you presume they are more or less passive. You have to reach them. That's what the marketing department always say. Your, your uh, marketing departments are reaching out to audiences and selling them to advertisers. Um, journalists are doing just the other way. They, they keep away from, from audiences as far away as possible. If they are in the business of saying to themselves, I'm making quality journalism, and um, more people than we think uh, do, uh, they are, uh, are doing that, then there is a contradiction between the marketing department and the journalist department. So journalists are not talking to marketeers and vice versa. Though they, marketeers would very much like to talk to journalists, but journalists wouldn't do that. So there is a contradiction between these two. If you look at the other sides, then the users, the members and the followers are interactive individuals. They're not a group anymore. Um, what they are, we don't know, but they're not a group anymore. Um, the dominant department who's taking care of them is not marketing anymore. It might be called marketing, but it's into the business not of selling audiences to advertisers, but in the business of communication. It's in the business of building communities, of organizing supporters, of getting, uh, getting followers. And that's a very different kind of business. And journalists are not making quality journalism. Journalists are are seeing it as the job to be valuable for their users. And they work together with the departments of communication. So there's not a contradiction anymore, but people are <coughs> collaborating. So on the left side are the audiences, and here is the community, the members, the users. Um, there are the target groups, the markets, here are individuals, private, and also public organizations. Um, there, journalists want to remain autonomous, they want to remain detached, and there are very good reasons to remain that. Um, and audiences come into the picture only when they are relevant as sources or eyewitnesses. So in, in, um, in, in cases of natural or man-made disasters. Of course, there's a big risk. You, you risk alienating your audience, but it's about all that. That's, that's the risk. Here, um, journalists and audiences work together uh, in the ideal type, of course. So they are involved with their users, they are engaged, they are, um, they are um, encouraging private and public organizations, so also commercial organizations, to share relevant stories, to share their information and their experiences, and, um, because it's, a, it's free content. So it's the business model. It's you have to, because otherwise you can't, you, 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 you can't be everything to everyone, so you have to. But the risk is, of course, loving them too much. So the risk is there's not enough distance between one and the other. But we are in this paradigm shift. So somewhere along the line, and I, I think it's more international than we would like it to be, um, all the news organizations, I, I especially have, I, I talk about organizations, not about um, individual journalists are in this sort of, in this process, yes? Do I have to explain that loving them too much, but a bit more um, What we noticed is if you, um, um, in, in particular, there was some very interesting research from Norway, um, from community journalism. Um, there are local newspapers that are very successful, but they are successful on the conditions that they love the people living in that particular community. And laughing means you're not criticizing them too much. You're not following them too much. So there is a, there is a difference. Yeah, that's laughing too much. Right. I, yeah. I, where, where I'm not quite sure here is, is that you seem to be saying this is common to all audience relationships, whereas I can see you know, the sharing and the collaboration is true for 
perhaps even a growing part of the audience, but not all of the audience. Yes. Uh, and not all users. So, so uh, to what extent are you kind of pushing the generalisation of this? Yes, uh, thank you very much. This is not... not uh, the, lots of audiences are not in the business of being users. They are just audiences and behaving like that and expecting the newspaper to do this. Be autonomous, be detached. Well, not detached, but be autonomous at least. So this is... This is the, the, the complication is that not everyone is everywhere. <coughs> Yes, but nevertheless, we're moving from into so this direction. Direct, direction the direction is is, okay. is is true. Yeah, it's not that we, we are not there. No. Okay. So, um, what makes audiences transform into users is that they are growing in self-confidence. They are getting higher educated. Uh, they are getting, um, they know a lot more and they want to show it. So they are, um, they become angry if the newspaper tells you something that is not true. They are irritated when the broadcaster uh, tells a story of which you yourselves think, well, it's a bit more complicated than that. And in previously, then you doubted yourself. But now you're doubting the journalists. And I think that is a very important um, transformation. So what can you do to prevent that? We asked the news users. And what they said is this. Um, please, if you can make use, better use of our individual and collective knowledge, we would be most grateful and of course, they expect journalists to do most of the work. It's not like that all the participant journalists are standing in line and saying, okay, 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 please, 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 give me the, give me the money and give me whatever. Give me uh, a place to write uh, um, something interesting. But they will also rather participate in making a, a good story better than rather than being irritated by them. So every one of you was once, had, once was in a situation in which you thought, I would seriously make a better story of it. That's a kind of irritation. If you can prevent that, you would, you would, really, want to know, you would really want to use it to, 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 to turn an article into a better one or to turn an item into a better one or to whatever, into something better. But nevertheless, journalists have to do most of the work. Um, then there's representation. Um, news users value journalism more when it takes their concerns and experiences into account. That makes them feel more at home. It's, I say, not without reason, concerns and experiences. It's not about views. Um, views are very much overrated, according to users. People don't want everybody's views, but people want their experiences, people want their concerns, and not only from them, but also of the other side. Um, interesting example was yesterday, I thought, when the, the BBC was asking um, um, an older couple um, why they were so very much against the refugees, or very much against the... the, 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 um, uh, the, the, the Britain being part of the uh, EU anymore, and they were very much they were um, um, they were uh, UK people, but they were they're very excited about it. They said, "I am 72," said the older man. "I'm 72, and I would I would rather die before my, for my country than letting all these criminals come in." And his wife, standing next to him, said, "Yes, yes." I know, he would rather die for it than etc. So she was, she, was, she was very supportive of him. And the complicated thing is that what the, what the BBC did was, and that's what, what usually happens in the Netherlands and in France and everywhere, is they went to another meeting and there were two um, academic sort of girls, uh, young women, and the young women said, yeah, yes, if you are pro-Europe, then, yeah, then, the, then it's less passionate. And we feel more European than we feel British. And that was it. And there was no explanation about all these criminals 
getting in. There, was, there wasn't any figures about the, from the police. There were no figures about the Department of Foreign Affairs. There was nothing to, 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 to put this kind of emotion into context. And the complicated thing is that viewers tend to take that kind of expression seriously. So they think that all the criminals are getting into the UK as soon as they keep into, uh, stay into the EU. So there is, a, there, is a, there is a sort of, we call it, in Dutch we call it handelingsverlegenheid. It's, it's, uh, it's when you are, you, you don't know how to act with this kind of strong emotions, as in particular when they're coming from the extreme rights. And one of the things you can do is put them into perspective, giving them the figures, giving them the police statements. Are there, in, in the Netherlands, it's not about criminals, but it's about rape. So all these refugee camps, they are full of rapists because they are single men and they grab your blonde girls. But there are no, no one is, is, is giving at the same time the police figures about is the rape getting up when there, assume, when there is an asylum opened? No. So it's very easy to do, but it's not in the nature of the, the journalistic system to provide them. So that is, people very much like to understand also the other side, whenever, in particular, and that we, we call it hospitality, in particular when it's also taking their concerns and experiences into account. So it show their experiences, but put them into context. Otherwise, they, they, they work as facts. Then the third one is presentation. Um, yeah, actually, this is very simple. People want journalism wherever they are uh, and for every device they use. So um, make it... Make it um, Make it easy to use on every device. Um, make it captivating. Um, but you also appreciate the quick and dirty, in particular when it's breaking news. But say it. Say it's, uh, uh, it, this is what we now think is true, but we, 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 we know more in an hour or something like that. How can journalism be more valuable? Um, three genres. First of all, People don't, don't call it like that, users, but the, what it is, is it's called constructive journalism. So it's what, what people say to us, if, I, if we, uh, oh yeah, the sort of research method we use is not surveys, etc. We, we, we use surveys, but not, for, not, not to gain this kind of knowledge. Uh, what we use is we do in-depth interviews, we do focus groups, we do think-aloud protocols, we do ethnographic, sensory interviews. So we, we ask people, okay, explain to us um, the, 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 the moments that you are, feel very enthusiastic about news. And they say, okay, it's Saturday morning, the kids are still in bed. Um, I walk downstairs and there's this newspaper. And I get it up, go to the table, I have an espresso here, I have my, my bun there, and pure delight. Well, that kind of moments we, we are trying to, to, to understand. And um, the learning instead of knowing is, is part of the result of a, a, a longer research project, and that is what want people out of current affairs. Um, because current affairs, and in particular political information, is, uh, is the sort of information what is not very valued to us. So we were... We asked people, okay, give us, an, give us a, an example of some political information in, from which, of which you thought, yes, this is valuable. He, I want more of this. I will share this. I will give it to me. And they said, it's not about knowing. It's about learning something new. So it's not knowing who is the politicians and what are they doing, but it's understanding how politics work, how economics work how finance works, how sport works, how the international world works. It's about understanding far more than it's about knowing. So, valuable journalism is about understanding complexity and also the range of potential solutions. That's when people think, yes. Um, then the situated part. Um, also very easy, uh, easy to do also. 
Um, so the stand-upper in front of the White House is doing a good job. People want them or her, him or her in front of the White House because it gives them an idea that this is, in one view, this is uh, where someone is. So people want to visualize everyday geographical, social, and personal landmarks. That gives you an idea of how the world works or how your country works or how the city works. People also want horizontal orientation. And you want to understand how customs work, regional customs, religious customs. You want to, in particular, when there is a lot of contradiction or a lot of antagony between different, uh, different religions or different ethnicities or different groups, you want... It's not easy, but if people say to us, what was it that I valued the most, is getting an understanding of the other side. And I think that's a very hopeful... Uh, hopeful sign but also the ones from the other side want to get an idea of what, how it's usually going and why so the, the customs regional, national and local customs and then there's the news stories from within and from without um, uh, this is very much about framing people, people want both of them so they, but they want it to be very very um, uh, specific. So they want stories that tell them from the inside out how things work. So I'm a financial advisor. I, te- I, I will tell you how finance works. And then someone else from an anti-global group, whatever, he said, I will tell you how this works. And then someone who is a journalist in particular who will explain both sides for you. So they want, they want both. They want to know about Israel, but they also know, want to know about Syria. They want to know about Turkey, but they also know, want to know about Greece. But they want to understand. So they don't want to know, but they want to understand. They want to get a grip on it. And then the last part, that's the talker news. Uh, that's very much underrated. It's the very popular ones. Uh, the cat stories are among them. Uh, but also uh, what you uh, also share with other people. Um, so the things that are cute, um, that are... Um, uh, sensational. Um, these are the things that, that, that gives you an alternative to talking about the weather. Only in the UK the weather will work as a, as, a, as a first sort of icebreaker. In the Netherlands it won't work. People think, oh God, the weather, come on. Uh, we have similar weather, so it's not about the weather, but it's... <laughs> what do you talk about? <laughs> No, we talk about <laughs> this is what we talk about. Bizarre things. Um, well, everything that, facil- that uh, what's on what, what you saw on the news last night. So the news is is, is not in England. You w- wouldn't find many people talking about news. That's about a sort of taboo. In in the Netherlands, you talk about the news. You talk about politics. Well, not every day, but you you will. So, but it it is this is so it. It may not be true for the UK, but it might be true for other, other parts of the world that you need other excuses to go into contact with people. Sports, also very good. Sports, in particular among men, sports is doing good. Cookery, did I add a recipe, etc. So it's a water cooler news. It's a sort of everyday, everyday sh- sh- making conversation with relative, relative strangers easy. And people want it from the news as well. Maybe not from the national broadcast, but they want it from the newspapers. And they want, and in particular, they want it from the news website. Okay, will they consume sensationalist stories? Yes, they will. Um, they will not pay for it. Um, and they dislike it when it's about their own region. Um, because then they are not, they are not, they, they, we had a, a project in, the, in one of our provinces and there was, there was a bit more violence getting along than, than in, in, um, in every, um, than somewhere else in the Netherlands. The Netherlands, of course, a very quiet, no violent country, because everything is relative. And what we found out is that, that the, the, all the, the newspapers and also the public broadcasters were giving sensationalists information about the violence that was happening there. And the, the people from all the other provinces liked it. 
oh, yes, that's happening, something. So it's, it, it worked as talk news. But the people who were living there, they, got, they, they get, got out of touch with reality. So they had no... They didn't know anyone. They, they, they just... Yeah. They didn't know what to do anymore. So they, 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 are, they were very much against it. And they, 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 they didn't um, watch news anymore. They didn't watch current affairs anymore. They stopped buying newspapers. So they stopped... Uh, buying news. And I think that's a sign that that's also very important to, uh, to not ignore. What about the interaction? Come on, Mensa. Is it so... Uh... <coughs> okay. <laughs> to your previous slide, uh, that's... Uh, that, that's not a complete list of the functions. No, that we use, no, it's not a complete list. No. Because because I think that there's a fourth thing that's quite important, and that's the the meta level, which is not the single story, but just knowing that okay, nothing big has happened, I can do something else. Which is part of what's satisfying about news is just leaving for it and saying, oh, okay, the world's working, I can do yes. something funnier. Yeah. Because news is also a task. That you have to do to be a proper system. Yes, but that's that's not what people value. That's what we know as academics that it's working. Mm. So this is what people themselves say. Yeah. But you are very right. One of the most important aspects of radio news in the morning, when you're when you're in the car and you hear the news, is, oh yes, the world is getting on, life as usual. So it's it gives you a sense of being at ease, at, at peace with the world. Yeah. But that's the function of the news. This is what, what people value about the news. Yeah. Thank you. Wait, can, I, can I chip in yeah. one more question as you invited us to on that on your previous slide again? I'm, I, I don't want to sidetrack us, but constructive news, <laughs> peace journalism. Could you just un unpack what your research said? Because yeah. um, I, I can absolutely recognise from audiences that they want more analysis, explanation, they want to contextualise, they want the information to be able to decide what they should do and the choices they can make and so on. To me these labels though suggest that journalism has an active responsibility to push audiences in a particular direction and obviously I would bridle at that. So to what extent is this saying what they want is the information that enables them to make a, their own choice versus saying they want the media to make the choice for them and tell them which way to go. Yeah. I think enabling them to make their own choice is grossly overrated mm -hmm. by journalists. So, uh, so just to make a statement. Um, <laughs> um, I think I, I can best explain with the BBC um, um, example I gave about the, rep, the, 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 the guy of 72 who was willing to die for his country. What people want, viewers want in that kind, in that in, in, in that kind of examples, is that there's a, a police officer who's interviewed and who's getting the question asked: What are the figures about refugees? How many people are turning up criminals? How people are how many people are criminals? How how uh, what is what is getting what what's happening with the uh, the rates of yeah. uh, that? That's the sort so of. So, so let me just very briefly come back on that, because yeah. there's two points about that. One is, you can't do the full analysis of every aspect of people's concerns about Europe in every report that you do. No. So there will always be some reports that leave some questions open, <coughs> the first point. And secondly, the agenda that says we should have a constructive journalistic approach to the European debate in Britain at the moment would be a rather interesting piece, because 50% will welcome it and we have whatever you do 50% will react against it yeah. so how is it constructive <laughs> well the interesting thing was that this wasn't about the EU it was about getting the refugees in okay well about um, refugees yes, yes but I think that makes a difference so this was not an abstract thing about remaining inside or, 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 or getting uh, or getting outside of it um, this was the sort of statement that you get Maybe not on a daily basis, but on a weekly basis. At least that's happening in the Netherlands. I'm not sure whether the BBC is doing it similar, but I think it might be similar to in the Netherlands. So you get people saying, all these rapists are getting in. And it's not, 
There's nothing, no expert that is saying, how do you get, uh, where, do you get uh, where do you get to that? So this is, this, it's very informative in terms of emotions and the sort of loyalty people feel and the sort of national feelings it evokes. So you have to show that, that, that you, of course, this, this guy of 72, it's great to have him uh, on the news, but you also have to, that's what the audience wants, not what I want. Mm. Well, mm. It's all, in this case, it's also what I want. But people love that, that there's also an expert explaining them, well, we have national figures, and the rape figures in Utrecht, where there are a lot of echelons, are not higher than somewhere else. Okay. But had your answer, there's not space in a, in a single report. No, no, but once in a while it might help to yeah. do this as well. Because the other utterance of being, being very, very afraid for refugees, you hear endlessly. So it's not like that one, that person is saying something new. No, <coughs> newness is not there, but it's... Yeah, okay. it's I, I would see that as just good practice of analysis, not having to be labelled as constructive. Mm. This is too okay. argument, isn't yeah. it? Tim Harford about the rise of bullshit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's part of Tim Harford. But then there is figures. He was he was talking about figures, and this is not even about figures. It's about emotions. Anyway, sorry. Yes, but I, I know it's very good. It's good. It's good journalism. But I'm afraid, even even in the Netherlands, in Germany, this is not what's happening all the time. In particular, with sensitive issues. Yeah, I have to say. Uh, Coming back to the other part of what Richard said, like, so I, I don't think you are like, demanding anyone to sort of like fit everything into every piece. But every piece is a is a set of choices, and you know, coming from from the outside and watching the ten o'clock PBC news, I see the set of choices. Be, I see a choice being made every day that you include a lot of emotion and exclude a lot of information at the same time. So if you would if you would compare it to the news in Finland where I come from, the YLE, the broadcasting news, you would you would see a lot less, yeah. you know, taking into the fall and kind of stuff. We're, 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 so, getting, we're getting sidetracked, but I suspect yeah. that that is in response to audience studies that yeah, suddenly yeah, find yeah. a dry approach yeah. boring. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that's true. Yeah. And that's true. <laughs> yeah, but the complicated yeah, right, thing, it's so, true. People so they, want. They're going to engage people yeah. through the emotion. Yes, but it's not only but about engagement. Be, in- emotions are also informative. So it's the complicated thing is that emotions are not only about engaging and about sensation, etc. Emotions are very informative because they say something about how people think. And also, <coughs> I, also I think that you know cultures have to be like changing. If you say that you know audience needs are changing, and I think the journalistic cultures we have are changing like slower than than the audience yeah. needs are changing. So lots of, lots of things that we are saying that you know the audiences demand could be things that they demanded 25 years ago, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, and we should learn, sort of like, relearn things. Yeah. I have a question. I mean, when you said talk and news, you also said this is where the cat really is coming. I mean, <laughs> no, it's not on the news to cat, though, so. uh, No. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of BuzzFeedish uh, yeah. kind of a thing. Where, since when did... Cat videos become news. No, no, no. You're very right. And of course, the cat videos are not new, but you you share the cat video. Oh no, you're you're the for the dog lovers. But a lot of people are, are are sharing cat videos, and 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 it's 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 the genre that's similar. But you, of course, no. But it's very much. This is how Buzzbeat works. And the legitimation is that there's also serious news. So if you go there, you know there's also serious news. You probably won't click on it. Uh, but it's there, so you you know something. But it's how this is the this is the business model, yeah. And it works to a certain extent, probably. Then a very different approach. Um, that is about news user practices. So what is it? Um, that's what we, that's the kind of project that we started um, more than ten years ago. What is it that people actually do with news? So not value about news, but what do they do with it? Um, there are a lot of activities. Um, interesting enough, if we interview people, they are using verbs. So they say reading, watching, clicking, sharing, all the in words. Um, so it's, it's really about, they, and they also experience it as activities. Now, we, 
distinguish three kinds of uh, news user activities, the informative ones, the social ones, and the physical movements. And I think they are very different. The, the, the complicated thing is that <coughs> clicking is a physical movement. It's something you do. Most of the people do it with their fingers. Um, but it doesn't have a, a natural or automatic relation with informative or social. So counting clicks doesn't say, uh, at least doesn't have to say something about whether people are interested in it or whatever. It can say 47 things. That's our most recent research. But it's, it can say a lot of things, but interest is only one of them. Um, but it is a physical movement. You have to do it sometimes. Scrolling, browsing, zapping, serving. It's all things you do with papers, television, etc. Um, but the two most important are the informative ones and the social ones. Um, I think I'll take the rest, this one. Um, we categorize them in four. So there is... One axis, and that's level of intensity. So there's low intensity, lean backward. There's high intensity, lean forward. So that, that says something about the intensity of how you use the news. Um, then there is the pace. So how many time is involved? Is there a lot of time involved? Or is there less time involved? So it goes from slow to quick. And the relative in your practice... Um, the checking, it started um, around 2000, is how you, that you very quick check whether something new and important happens. So it's very quick, half a minute, in front, waiting in front of the, the red light, uh, when you're standing in front of the elevator. In particular, in all the interstices of, the, of, of everyday life. If there's nothing else to do, you just check for a moment. We even discovered the checking cycle. So you check in within 30 seconds whether there's something happening on the news, your dating site, so Grindr or whatever. You're checking whether something's happening on Facebook, on Twitter, or within 30 seconds. And that some people do that every half an hour, other people every hour, but people do it all the time. So that's a checking. Very, very um, important news activity. Then there's reading, watching, listening, monitoring, and searching, also news activities, but they are lean forward, so they're intense, and they take up time. So you do that when there is a longer, longer space, and then when you're on, on the train, on the bus, uh, in, the, in the car even. Um, but there's a difference between listening and hearing, and between watching and viewing. So watching is intense, you have all your... You, you don't want people to, to, to talk uh, while uh, watching the news. They say, ah, shh, I want to listen to it. Or I want to view it. I want to know it all. Um, reading is similar. So you're reading the newspaper or you're, you're reading uh, something on your uh, iPad, a, a long-form uh, narrative. Um, and you don't want to be disturbed. So it is an intense form of news use. Um, monitoring, Eden, that's what, something you do when there is um, uh, something is happening that is causing alarm. So somewhere in the world or somewhere in, in, in closer by, you want to monitor, monitor what's happening. So it looks a bit like checking, only it's with a, it's it's it can take up more time. Then there is the snacking, the hearing, and the viewing. Um, <coughs> Snacking is lean backwards, like um, getting um, and zapping through uh, uh, a magazine. Um, it's it taking up less energy. It's like listening in the car to whatever music station or news is getting on. So it's just going flow. It's it's intertwined with other other activities. So it, if you are doing news and it's, it's important and interesting, etc., then this is not the category you're in. You want, to, you, you, you want it to be here or here, but not here. But wouldn't you, uh, for instance, if you're listening in the car while driving, thinking about something else, 
and you're hearing something, and you're hearing something that you're actually interested in. Then you that is not hearing anymore, but listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you would move up. If yeah, you would move up. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes even to the extent that you wait. And you have a, you have somewhere uh, you have a, an appointment with someone. You sit in a car, and it's so interesting that you sit in a car and you keep on listening and listening. You like, ah, I'm just I go on listening. Yes, that's happening. So podcasts are also a form of listening. So this is this is. But I think it's 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 uh, it's useful to to make them to 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 distinguish them because they are. They are uh, an alternative vocabulary to inform journalists to make something. So you can say to a journalist, okay, do an interview, uh, do a long story, do, do this or do that, do a reportage. And now can you say, oh yeah, I want you to g- give something that easily, can be easily checked. I want it to be easily scanned. Scanning is very superficial, only on certain words, whether something that's in particular important for you is happening. So it's getting up to date on particular financial figures, for instance, or getting up to date about the uh, selling of a particular uh, company. Just scanning, it's, it takes up it takes up less time, uh, and it's it's um, it it it's, it should be done very quick. So you have to uh, organize your piece also in a different way. Um, so this is the informative news use. Then there's the social um, news use. This has a completely different logic. Um, on the one hand, it, it's, it's contrary to informative news use. It's very much dependent on can you use the device. So it's can you use the internet? Can you use your, your, your phone? Can you use, can you use it? Can you, do you know how to do it? How to share? So it's about technical ability, and if you have negative experiences, so someone else... Uh, talk negatively about you when you shared something, then you won't do it again, or you are at least reluctant to do it again. It's about new media mindedness, it's about uh, status seeking as well. Are you comfortable in revealing something about yourself or not? It's about self esteem and self confidence. So, this is it's depending on something. But there are two important motives that make you share and not share. Um, Social connection is one of them, and the other one is self-presentation. So if you want to reach out to people, if you want to change ideas, if you want to say, oh, look at this, this, is, this might be important for you, um, this is what probably, if my mother would still be alive, would, would do it. Um, so it's very much a thing mothers do, in spite of what everyone else always says. It's something young people do know. Mothers are very good at it, um, especially for their iPad. They won't use their mobile phone for it, but they will use their iPad. Um, so exchange ideas and staying in touch with others is one thing and if you don't think it, is, it might be interesting or important or valuable for someone else you won't share it unless it's good for you it's good for making a good impression so if you have an interesting video if it's really funny if it's hilarious if it's over the top and you think okay this says something about me you will share it as well or not, you will, uh, you might share it, but then through email, because you feel slightly unsure whether you would share it in public. Um, so social connection, self-confidence, self-preservation, previous online experience are all predictors of online sharing. Now, what gets shared? Well, everything that's insightful, it's very optimistic making, everything that's emotional, Everything that's fun, hilarious, and daring, practical, useful, and conversational. That's, that's what gets shared. It doesn't say something about news. The news is not very much shared. Um, but some news is shared, and then on the condition that it's emotionally fun, insightful, hilarious, etc. One of the newspapers in the Netherlands wanted to know, okay, um, when can we get rid of the paper? Because we know the paper uh, is, uh, the word says it all, it's paper, it's about paper. So it costs money, you have to distribute it, you have to uh, uh, ask people to distribute it somewhere else, it costs money, so um, most of the newspaper organizations want to get rid of it. But 
paper is also what people value. So the smell of paper, uh, turning the pages, getting get, it, it, it is what you what you really want. So reasons for purchasing a digital subscription, getting rid of the paper, so not getting a new description, but getting rid of the paper and transform it into or change it into a digital subscription are avoiding waste of paper. In particular, young people said, all these unread papers are piling up in the kitchen or wherever, and I feel guilty about, it, about this. I don't want to feel that guilt anymore. Um, then there's the financial reasons. It's cheaper, but not that much cheaper. And it's easy to use, so you can do it everywhere. You can um, upload it wherever you want. Not always in the train when the... When the, the not the, the, when the, the connection is not that good, but it, it's easy to use. So that would, would be reasons for purchasing a digital subscription. But people are not many people are prepared to go all the way. So to go from paper into fully digital. So our current research is about this one. So right now, actually. Uh, so I'm supervising it from a distance. It's also a new experience. So these were the four questions we are trying to get a grip on. Is it possible to transfer the positive experience of going through the newspaper, the paper newspaper, into the digital experience? So how can you transfer that? What kind of experiences are transferable? And also, what kind of experiences do papers not give you? So, are there digital possibilities? Is the digital potential, well, are, these <coughs> are, are, these, are these fully exploited? Or are there a lot of extras that are not supplied right now? What are the problems with access? Are they overcomable in the future? And ease of use. So, this is what we are now um, researching. We do it with video ethnography, so we're putting people in front of the video, and we're videoing literally what people do with the paper, how they feel it, if they do this, if they smell, if they have the coffee next to it, if they are eating, eating something along, if they're talking about it. So we are, we, are, we are going to people's houses and we spend the whole morning or whatever they do things and we, 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 yeah, we spend the day with them. That's uh, the sort of research. <coughs> we do it with a lot of students and they love it. So that was the print digital. Okay, this is all an all new topic. Is this? I know Nidhi is interested <coughs> in the conditions for network participatory journalism, but are there many more people? Yeah, you were as well. Okay, the, I, I will just say the most important thing, and that's in answer to your question as well, the reluctancy of journalists to pick up the phone if, if, if a source or what, whatever, a, a person from the audience is ringing, is overwhelming. <laughs> no one, actually, I met no one until now who was willing, out of him or herself, to talk to a source because he or she had something maybe to offer. So that was a job you were assigned to do sometimes, but you... So that's part of the reasons why Project Expert and Project Hyperlocal didn't succeed in the end, and Project Neighborhood TV did succeed. I can explain it all, but I, we also wrote some papers on it. So this is this. Reciprocity, very important. If you can love them, they will love you back. And otherwise, they won't do it after a while. Okay, the last one. Yeah? Even kijken of het. This is the last one. Um, this is about the paradigm shift, the new practices, the new values, and also the new problems. So if you take a genuine interest in your readers, your users, or your supporters and members, it's also interesting that members and supporters, football clubs, members, these are all words with their own connotations, and they are people recognize themselves more as already for decades as members of a particular newspaper. You don't feel that you're a subscriber, no? you feel you're a member. And are you willing to support one news organization? So that's also something, I, am I willing to support it with my, by doing the subscription? 
So you give them something, and you want to bring, you want to give them something to you as well. Um, so these are the three new values that are coming up, new relatively, I think. So reciprocity. If you love them, they may give you something back, and you will need it if you want to do the same job you're doing now with less money. Most news, most news organizations have to do that. So they will give you free content, but um, it might be free content for, from businesses, it might be free content from public organizations. So the, our um, internet-only news website is the most popular in the Netherlands, all the governments have a direct line so they can publish directly on that particular um, news website. So there's no journalist checking it. I think from the angle of the government, that's fantastic, of course, because you can give all your PR statements, you, the, the press releases, you don't need to give it anymore, you put it online immediately. You won't see that as a user. There's no, no such thing as this is a press release from the government. No. And they give videos, they give photographs, they give text, they give whatever. Um, but it's free. And this is an internet-only commercial <coughs> news website. So this is their business model. This is also uh, how BuzzFeed probably works, but I wouldn't know because I don't know um, who it's working. So there's problems like accuracy and trust. Then the second one is if you're, if this is from, if this, this paradigm shift is really happening, then there's the question of hospitality. People really want themselves, their neighbors, their own culture, their own ethnographic group seen and heard on their own terms. If they don't do it, they won't go to somewhere else. They will go to somewhere else. They want to feel at home. And I think in, in, in principle that's a very good thing. But you can love it too much. So there is the question of the other sides. The, 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 yes, so there's a question of do you really believe these people? That's the question of sincerity as a journalist. Then there's the multiple angles and the frames. And there's always the question of cohesion. Um, is there a cohesive story to make out of it? Um, are there not too many angles, too many frames? So there is a a technical question. Um, now this, I think, is um, the question who's paying for it. I think that's the most important one. People will pay for, at least that's our, our uh, idea, our, uh, our experience until now, people will pay for uh, good journalism. Um, but it has to be valuable for them. Then the last one, loving your readers, I think it inspires at least loyalty, it inspires also that community feeling, and that's also something that you'll have, uh, as a news, news organization, you have to um, take, take account of. Um, but what about the truth? What about criticism? And who becomes then the enemy? Is that the other community? Is that then, who, who is it? So there's a question of the other, the other side, the other person. And yes, we know that people also want to know about the other side, but... There is a but. You have to tell it in a very good way. Okay, this is the last one. These are all the relevant articles I can share with you, and this is a couple of new initiatives I can show you. All right, thank you very much. Indeed.